You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Good afternoon and welcome to today's Critical Mass Nonprofit Show. I'm Asia Celestino, filling in for Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. We are broadcasting from their state-of-the-art studios in the tech space facilities from Costa Mesa, California. If you are listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors. Brandman University, Commercial Bank, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and The Center Club. The goal for today's show is to help you, our listening audience, learn more about the nonprofit organizations serving the needs of Orange County and global residents. Now, it gives me great pleasure to welcome our first guest of the day, Ray Shire, District Governor of Rotary International. Ray, welcome and thank you for joining our show. Thank you so much, Asia. Uh, let's start by talking a bit about your background and your journey and how you got to the Rotary Club. Well, I'm actually a business lawyer, and one of my clients came to me. He's a flooring contractor, and I'd been in business about four years, I guess, doing a lot of work for a lot of different types of companies. And he said to me, you know, you should join Rotary. And I said, well, why? He said, well, it's a group of business professionals and business owners and educators and community leaders who want to change the world. And I thought, well, I... You know, I've been doing okay here, but I don't know that I changed the world yet. So so I joined in July 2003, and I haven't regretted it. Great. And for those of us who don't know specifically, so that's Rotary. For Rotary International, what is the organization, what's its mission, and what is, it, what is its general scope? Well, it could probably be best expressed through our, our theme last year, which was peace through service. So Rotarians believe that individual acts of service and human-to-human contact and humanitarian service around the world increases world understanding and increases peace. So what are some of the services or the uh, ventures that Rotary International partakes in? Well, we also work locally in our own communities here in our district, which consists of all of Orange County and parts of southern Los Angeles County. We have 45 Rotary Clubs, and each of them are independent, and they focus on their own community needs, supporting schools, working with the homeless, a variety of community needs right here at home. We're also very focused on using our vocational skills in service. So that will be through mentorship programs and uh, other types of programs such as doctors actually performing medical clinics in our communities or dental clinics or even overseas. So we actually have what we call four avenues of service, which include community and vocational and international service, and we do that in 33,000 clubs around the world. Okay, so Rotary International itself has 33,000 clubs, and then the 45 that you mentioned, those are just within the United States? Yes, in our right here in Orange County in southern L.A., we have 45, and I wow. think we have about 10,000 across the United States. That's incredible. So when do you all sort of kind of meet up and share your stories and that type of thing, what your progress is within your clubs and as an organization? Well, each club meets 
weekly on their own schedule. They choose whether it would be breakfast, lunch, dinner, happy hour. Some only meet for happy hour. They don't have a meal. Uh, and what they do at those meetings once a week is to plan their service activities, but also to bond together in friendship. And uh, they also, of course, actually do service projects at some of their meetings. So these are weekly meetings among the club members. And then in our district, because we're fortunate that our district is geographically compact here in Orange County. We actually have monthly meetings where our club presidents gather together and they can share ideas. We also share our ideas through our website and on Facebook and other social media. And we mentioned already that Ray is the governor of District 5320. So can you kind of explain the the hierarchy and the dynamic of how things work within a given club? Well, like many clubs, there's a club president and a secretary and a treasurer. And then there'll be chairs of various service projects. And there'll be people that are devoted just to our youth service projects. We actually have several of those on an international basis. And then the district and me and the, the folks that volunteer from around the district in district service, our job is to make sure that all the Rotary Clubs have the training and the support and the resources that they need to be successful. So it really is our job to make sure that they have an avenue for sharing their ideas, for getting together, for putting partnerships together with other Rotary Clubs, and very importantly, with other community partners. For example, our Huntington Beach Club has just built a partnership with Hogue Hospital, and it has a wonderful art project called called Surfboards on Parade, and it will benefit skin cancer research and treatment at Hogue Hospital. Wow, that's really great, especially for Huntington, you know, with all the tanning and the beach going that happens. Uh, I want to take it back because you mentioned some of the Rotary Youth programs, which I think is great. One of our producers here, Crystal, is actually a part of one of them. So can you kind of describe Rotaract, Interact, and R-Y-L-A, the difference between these? Certainly. R-Y-L-A stands for Rotary Youth Leadership Awards. And what we do there is we give scholarships to students who are juniors in high school. And we send them to our leadership camp for three days in Idlewild. And they go away sort of not knowing exactly what to expect, but they come back with teamwork, skills, and enthusiasm they never had before. One of the reasons it's so exciting is they spend a full day on a high ropes course learning teamwork skills. When they come back, they're eager to still be connected to Rotary, and they can join our high school program, Interact, which is a service club for young Rotarians. And when they graduate from high school, they're welcome to join Rotaract at one of the local universities or community colleges or community-based Rotaract clubs, which are for young leaders, 18 to 30, who may already be starting their careers, they're out of college, they're not quite ready to join a traditional Rotary Club, but they certainly are wanting to give back to their communities. Okay, great. So uh, if we have some young leaders listening in today, what are some of the colleges or community colleges around here that they can find some Rotary programs? Well, we do have a very active program at UC Irvine. We also have a wonderful program at Cal State Fullerton. And we have a Long Beach State Rotaract, but we also have a community-based Long, Long Beach Rotaract in the same town. And they're completely different models. Of course, um, a community Rotaract has uh, more flexibility and isn't bound by um, the burdens of a heavy college schedule. So uh, they have a lot more ability to um, structure their own program, structure their own day, and they have a great time there. We're also looking to um, expand our Rotaract in South Orange County in the Mission Viejo area and to uh, 
reinvigorate clubs in the canyon areas of Brea and Anaheim Hills. So if we do have young leaders out there in those areas, we're expanding into those areas soon. Great. Okay. So we are going to be talking about some of the amazing ventures that you can be a part of with Rotary International, but we have to take a very quick break. So we'll be right back with Ray Shire to talk about the organization's future and, again, how you can kind of get involved if you're interested in Rotary International after these words from our valued sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of the Critical Mass Nonprofit Show. I'm Asia Celestino, filling in for Rick Franzi. We at the Critical Mass Radio Show would like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download the show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program sincerely appreciate your continued support. Thank you so much. All shows can be heard live on internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, and other business-oriented podcasting services. So let's get back to our interview with Ray Shire. She's the governor of District 5320 with Rotary International. Thank you again for joining us today, Ray. So uh, before the break, we were talking about some of the ventures with Rotary International. One in Huntington Beach, the surfboards on parade. Yes. But we have, this is an international organization, everyone. We have an incredible endeavor coming from Rotary. Um, This is Rotary Immunization, and this trip to India is taking place in February. I think most people, myself included, would think that you would only deal with things within your district. How did this international endeavor kind of come about? Well, for nearly 100 years, Rotarians have been partnering with Rotarians in other countries for service. But in the 80s, we realized that there was an achievable goal, and that was the eradication of polio around the world. Now, 
You're young in aphasia. You probably don't remember anything about polio in the United States. Not very much. Where it's pretty much disappeared after the um, vaccine was uh, widely distributed in the 50s. Although we do still have a lot of people alive today who suffered from polio as children. Well, although we haven't seen it in the United States in decades and decades, in the 80s there were still nearly 200,000 cases worldwide in other countries. And we thought you know what, we can do something about that. And we have. Today we're 99% polio-free in the world with under 400 cases this year. So what we're celebrating, and uh, we're, we're thrilled, this will be really one of the last National Immunization Days coming up in India because India has just marked three years without a new case of polio, which is an immense achievement. That is a substantial progression Yes. So we are actually down to only three countries in the world where we consider it uncontrolled, and that would be Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Nigeria. But both Pakistan and Nigeria are very close to declaring victory over polio, and we'll be able to focus our efforts on Afghanistan. And who kind of decides which countries? So why India this year? Well, we work very closely. Rotary is one of the five partners internationally that developed the End Polio Now campaign and the Polio Initiative. And our partners are such entities as the World Health Organization and UNICEF and the Gates Foundation. And we have determined by working with the World Health Organization scientists and other experts where we have the best opportunity and where our resources should go next. So those experts that we have and that we pay through our relentless fundraising (laughs) are the ones who help us determine where we should go next and what we should do. Rotarians then build the partnerships with the communities, with religious leaders, with political leaders. So we're not only working on a worldwide basis with our big partners, but we're working in every village and every small town around the world to build the partnerships needed to actually go and find all the little children on the trains and in the streets and in the schools and everywhere they can be found and give them the vaccine and mark their pinky with the little purple ink that indicates that we got them and they're polio-free. Congratulations. That seems like such an amazing, amazing endeavor, and it is something to be proud of. Um, I would like to know, how many people from Rotary International within your district or just within Rotary International are going to be traveling to India? Well, in our district, we actually have another venture coming up. Um, I, I think it's the 9th, the 7th through the 9th. We've actually locally also been supporting um, something in Coborca, Mexico, and have been going down there every single year and renewing the polio vaccinations because we have new babies and, you know, and uh, doing a lot of community service work as well in Mexico. And so we will have some of our um, Rotarians going to India, but we'll also have many more going to that um, Mexico trip, which also draws Rotarians from Arizona and Nevada. And I think that's about 70 Rotarians that end up going to Mexico every year. And the India trip is smaller, um, 15 to 20 uh, will go on the National Immunization Day out of the Southern California area. Okay. Well, we wish you the best of luck with that. Uh, You mentioned fundraising. So I have to ask, what are some of the challenges that you're facing right now with Rotary International? And how are they affecting your organization? Well, fundraising for polio is tricky in the United States because we don't have it here. And, uh, you know, people are affected to, to give by what they know and they understand and they see and they you know, feel a compelling need for it. So educating people about the need to eradicate polio is, is our 
first job because we do know that once people understand the problem, that one in four will actually donate and that that one in four will donate an average of $25 or more. So that's really our challenge is to get the word out that everyone deserves, every child deserves to be polio free and we're almost there. Um, challenges that face our organization are not really so much about money as they are about our very busy lives. And so we would love to have far more Rotarians joining us in our quest to change the world. But um, we, we compete. We compete with busy families and children and grandchildren and school and you know we're all very very busy and booked and so we're evolving in rotary um, i know there's a perception out there that it's the old guys who have lunch but uh, many of our clubs are responding uh, to the need for young families and younger members to have more flexibility and a club structure and um, to get more value for the time they spend I have to mention you you say the stereotype about old guys being a woman in a leadership position there are also women in the Rotaract and the Interact as well how is it to have fellow female leaders well, and, of course, Rotary is uh, is doing quite well in developing uh, female leaders, and I'm, I'm certainly honored to have the opportunity to be um, a female governor. I'm actually only the third in the history of our district. Wow. But, but the last one was only a couple of years ago. Okay. So we made, <laughs> made progress. And, and all of our Rotary clubs uh, admit women, of course, and uh, we, we work for that diversity, not only the women's perspective, but we really encourage our clubs to have cultural diversity and religious diversity. We're a non-religious, non-political organization, and we welcome everyone in service together. Um, but certainly... Uh, if you ask some of the guys who have been around a little longer, they'll tell you that having women in the club does make a difference. Yeah. I'm sure it's quite <laughs> dynamic and a, a difference in a good way. It does make a difference. So uh, in your experience, is there a lesson that you've learned to help um, make your organization better? Any guiding principles that you can leave us with? Well, you know, as a as a leader, um, what I've been learning this year, I, I started my term July 1st and it'll end June 30th, but what I've learned is the importance of trusting your team, and I think that that carries over into business as well, is that if you have good judgment and you pick good people and you've given them the resources and the training, trust your team, and that, that carries over into service projects, it carries over into to leading clubs, uh, that... You have to let people grow and let let them go ahead and take the reins, and the the results can be extremely rewarding and make you look pretty good too if you if you're willing to let go. So uh, I I haven't always been good at letting go, but uh, it's been a, a real growth opportunity for me, and it's one of the reasons I think that um, Rotary can be a really rewarding thing for younger leaders and people who don't get that opportunity in their business line to develop their leadership skills and to work in teams. I think that Rotary can provide that that leadership basis that may be missing in their lives. Very wise words, Ray Shire. Where can someone get in touch with you and learn more about Rotary International if they want to get involved? Well, of course, there are two websites. First of all, our district website is rotary5320.org, rotary5320.org. And that's all about our district. You can find our clubs there, information about what we do. Then there's our international website, rotary.org, and there's a lot of resources there as well. But if you're looking for something local, come, come see us. Find us <laughs> come on, see Ray first. Come see <laughs> us. You'll find us on Facebook. 
at Rotary5320 and Twitter at Rotary5320. So we are around, and we're looking for you. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Critical Mass, the nonprofit edition today. And thank you also for listening. Uh, We'll be right back after these words from our valued sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Nonprofit Show. I am Asia Celestino, filling in for Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio shows may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support to our show. We deliver 20,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions a month. To learn more, contact our advertising department at 949-887-4104. Again, that number is 949-887-4104. 
Our next guest is in the interview room. It is Letty Galley, director of Lot 318, and we're very glad to have you in, Letty. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> we're excited to have you, and we have really, really colorful stickers and a pen here. So, can you tell us a little bit more about your organization, Lot 318? And that's got to be a fascinating story behind the name. Well, Lot 318. Um stands for loving others in truth and it actually comes from the bible from first john 3:18 that says dear brothers do not love in word and tongue but in action and in truth so our motto is to love people in truth but and like a lot of people just say hey i love you but they don't really show it but we want to be there to say no no we love you in truth and we're going to walk alongside you i love that Great. So you are a uh, an organization director, is that correct? Yeah, I'm one of the co-founders. Uh, my um, uh, partner, Savannah Beal, is the other co-founder of Lot 318. And how did it kind of come about, founding the organization? That's a good question. I was... I was introduced to the community when I, uh, about eight years ago to an educator. And she said, hey, come with me to this community. I think you're going to meet this young man, and you're going to love it. So I went there. Next thing I know, I was like, this is an amazing community. But I also felt it was a community that, that was lost. It was forgotten. And so we just started building relationship, building trust. And so after three or four years of that, then uh, I met Savannah, and Savannah I said, hey, let's go check out this community. I just knew there was more. And so she and I just started to dream together, and uh, we said, you know what, what if we become more intentional in uh, investing in people's lives and education? And then one thing led to another, and we had a lot of support and a lot of backing from friends that said, you need to pursue this nonprofit. And it just, it just like, happened. So Exploded. Three, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow. So... Where are you guys based exactly, and what is, what is your service? You mentioned education for the community and specifically for youth. Yeah, well, we're located in Placentia, California, and uh, our focus is um, the, the youth, at-risk youth, low-income communities. And, and again, our main focus is to, for people to understand that they're not forgotten. Sometimes, you know, in, in communities, uh, we have these pockets of hurting people. I mean, it could be my neighbor. And, and once it's discovered, I feel like we're responsible to do something about that. And so we, we go and we value education. We let them know, hey, you know, it's a big world out there, and, and education is going to help you see that world. And we value community, and we, and we just want to empower them to be a community, and we also just want them to know there's more that you can do because you have worth and you have value. And this seems like such a wonderful cause for us at Critical Mass to shine a light on. What is your kind of motivation behind this organization? Why did you really want to be involved? It's funny. Um, I, I, was, I was born in Cuba, and I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Shout out to the East Coast. I hear the accent. <laughs> they're, free, they're freezing right now right there. Um, and I know what it's like to grow up in a family, with, in a home where mom and dad don't speak English. I mean, a sidebar here. I remember my neighbor come to my house and said, hey, to my mom, Nordma, I didn't know you had a cat. She's like, no, we don't. Well, we, my parents didn't know how to read, so we were eating catfish because all we saw was a picture of a fish. So I know, I know I've been there. You know? So to be able to live in a home where English was my second language, to be able to uh, have the opportunity to go to college, to graduate from college, I can now turn around and look at this community and say, you, you have to be a victim. You can you, you can supersede. You can get out of the situation and, and understand. And so that's why I feel like, for me, I lived it. 
And so now I have a chance to give it back and say, come on, I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to encourage you to do all that you can do, um, to be all that you can be. You just need a little bit. People just need a little bit of push. People just need to know somebody cares. And as far as having English as a second language, do you think that's still a really relevant issue that's overlooked, especially in a place like Orange County where you just assume that everyone's first language is English? I think it's I think it's real. I think it's out there, especially the the parents, the kids that we work with. They they know the language. They know English, but in order to try to communicate with the parents, the importance of education, you know, it's hard for them to understand that when they themselves may not have continued, you know, higher education. So it, the matter doesn't really fall on the kids mainly. It's, it's more on the, on the adults trying to and let give them the vision of their children, their child, you know. Um, doing the best that he can do and they can be with an education. And uh, one of the events that you at Lot 318 have every year is Serve Day. Can you talk about that? Serve Day has become an, uh, an amazing uh, event for the in, in the year. We host about three or four of the uh, Serve Days and what we do is we, we gather different uh, businesses, churches to come alongside the community and we let the community members know, hey, we have guests coming to help us um, make this place better. So we'll empower a community member to do gardening. And so we're going to go install a sprinkler system. We have volunteers coming in to help them and not to do it. And then we have a community member who is the point person, the foreman, per se. Or we have somebody who knows how to do cement. Hey, we want to lay cement up, but you are the point guy. We'll give you a translator. That's not an excuse for you not to lead, but we will do that for you. And then the, the, the uh, volunteers come in, and we just come together as a unit, and which is a beautiful, I mean, it's a beautiful scene when you see people from all, all walks of life coming together to help make something beautiful. And, and then one of the bonuses is the moms in the community, they'll just cook up a mean lunch. Oh, like, yes. Two, three, four hundred tamales, you know, with with rice and beans, and everybody that serves, we all come together and we just fellowship for lunchtime. It's just an amazing, great um, opportunity to bring people together. I was about to say the food—you gotta have the food if you're bringing people together. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Best sponsor made that way. Speaking of food, you have the annual food festivals mm-hmm. and things like movie nights. So, what are those like? And also, after that, how can you kind of describe the things that aren't event-based that are more on a are on a regular basis? Uh, a food festival happens once a year, and what we do is, uh, again, the community members take full ownership of that, 100% led by them. They will then gather some of their friends to, hey, well, you know, I was about to talk in Spanish. Uh, you wanna, can you make some tamales? Can you make some pozole? Can you make some mole? Whatever. And then we have outside businesses. Also, they will come and, and donate their time and food. And then we use it as a fundraiser. You know, we you know they get raffle tickets and they go to each vendor and they get to try it and uh, get some good food. At the same time, we get to do a, raise some funds for our program. And then after the food festival, uh, it usually happens Easter weekend. This will, be, this will be our fifth year doing it, the Saturday in between Good Friday and Easter. And then after we have our food festival, we continue the party, and then we ha- kick off our first movie night. And then we show um, family-friendly movies and f- for up until the school season ends, and then we go every other week. We have family-friendly movie nights where free popcorn, free punch, bring your lounge chair, and we just kind of gather together and watch a movie. Those are some of the staples that we have uh, with Lot 318. What we have ongoing uh, is what we call our after-school homework club. 
That happens every day, Monday through Thursdays. Actually, it's in conjunction to the school calendar. So with no school on Monday, there's no homework club. And, and so we have kids from kindergarten to sixth grade. They'll come into um, the program, and we just help them. with. It's not tutoring. We just help them with their homework, someone to hold them accountable. And then they're required to read 20 minutes a day. We have a point system, so it's an incentive for them. And then once a month, uh, we've been blessed with t- lots of toys, like a Chuck E. Cheese kind of a mentality, and they get to cash in their their points. But we teach them, though, not to not to cash them in so quickly because they may want that grand prize of a bike or Disneyland. And wow. so we're teaching them the, the importance of money, really, and not to have that instant gratification, but to learn how to save as well. Definitely. And what are the age groups that can be a part of this sort of after-school homework help program? Well, the people that we serve are kindergarten to sixth grade, and we we would love to have anybody, any junior highs and higher, that can come. And, again, one caring person can make a difference in a kid's life forever. And so that's one of the things that we always are recruiting as volunteers for the Homework Club. It's from, like, 3 to 5.30, Monday through Thursdays. And we're looking for consistency, where they don't just come, oh, I'm just going to do my thing for a week. But we'd like for them to invest in the life of that child and see progress. And when you do that, you're going to want to be there. You're going to want to continue that to see this young young man or young lady graduate high school, graduate college, walk him through life without knowing it, become that big brother or big sister. Creating a true mentor. Correct. So how many members do you have at Lot 318 right now, and how did they kind of become a part of the family. I'm going to go ahead and say family because it seems like one. Yeah, it definitely is. It's it's a, it's a beautiful family. Uh, well, we, we serve 25 to 30 kids a day at our homework club. And, and here's the beauty of homework club, which I didn't tell you. We don't have a facility. We saw a need and we met that need. We've had people telling us, well, we don't have a building. You don't have the, the facilities. I'm like, but there's a need. So every day we pull out tables and chairs and a portable library and the kids sit there, and we do our homework club. It's a beautiful thing living in Southern California. You can do that. It can't be done in New York right now. Um, so what we do is we just have them come out, and we do our homework. And we we average 30, 25 to 30, but we only have maybe three, four, five volunteers. So if we had more volunteers, our students would get a lot more one-on-one, which would really help them. But at this point, we do our best with what we have. Um, but that's the key thing is getting those volunteers to come in to serve with us to really, again, invest in the life of a student. It must be really tough, especially because uh, we were just talking about Rotary International. People have to kind of divide their time between their personal obligations, their own families, and then being able to contribute service is kind of going above and beyond these days, it seems like. So getting businesses to kind of help, it seems like they offer a lot of what you have and what you're able to offer to people. How do you sort of get these businesses on board? Is it an organic thing like family and friends who have businesses, or is this something that you're kind of an evangelist for? Well, that's something that we, this year, we would be more intentional with, is targeting more of the local businesses. We have one now that is interested in uh, being a liaison with all the other local businesses to see how we can collaborate and say, okay, uh, we have this business in Placentia. How can we target this other business and say, hey, come together? And at the same time, not just support us, but allowing us to bring our students to their facilities so the students, again, can see the world is not what they know, but it's big. 
And at the same time, you have that business owner seeing tangibly, oh, this is where my funds are going to. This is the, this is the, the difference that I'm making in this young man, this young lady's heart, uh, life. And so it's something where we're trying to be more proactive this year um, since than in the past because we see the importance of community in the bigger picture of businesses coming alongside because I mean honestly we need we need them you know and we're a firm believer of we are better together and and so but we need to get the word out because people want to help we just need to be able to have opportunities like this to say hey we need help you know and and it's not only that once you come you're like okay and this is this is one place I want to invest my time and you know my energy we're going to go ahead and continue this discussion about Lot 318 after our break, but right now we have a few words from our valued sponsors. There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else, and that university is Brandman. Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs, and it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News and World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Critical Mass Nonprofit Show. I'm Asia Celestino, filling in for Rick Franzi today. We want to thank and acknowledge our listeners again who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 10,000 shows during the last 30 days. It's incredible. We here at the program appreciate your continued support. All shows can be heard live exclusively on internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, and other broadcast-oriented podcasting services. Let's get back to our discussion with Letty Galley, director of Lot 318, great organization. You're telling us more. Uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about gaining mentors. What are some of the challenges that Lot 318 is facing right now? I think um, 
There's a few. I mean, we, we need volunteers. That's key because we can't have mentors without mentors. <laughs> and so trying to recruit volunteers, I think that one of the targeted audience would be ideal for us is the semi-retired, you know, people that feel like, well, I have nothing to give anymore. I'm like, well, that's that's a lie. There's so much. I mean, we have a volunteer who's a retired engineer who is our one, number one volunteer every Tuesday and Thursday. He's in there. Everybody calls him Mr. Frank, and he loves the kids, and he mentors them one, four kids that he focuses on. So if we can get and uh, reach out more to, to the, you know, semi-retired, retired generation, I think this, they have so much to offer our kids. And also a lot of students need community service hours, uh, especially in high school. Some of them need 40 to graduate. And uh, so we, we offer that to them. Come on in and don't just get your hours, invest. Even though your hours are done, continue. Um, and then some other challenges, obviously, is when we try to meet some of the tangible needs of our community, the funding is always low because we're a nonprofit, so it's trying to find the resources to make it happen is always, you know, an issue. It doesn't stop us from doing what we're supposed to be doing, and we, we continue, but it's always something that we, we battle with because without the funds, we can't, you know, do really what we, what we feel we're called to do. And uh, as... One of the directors and founders of the organization, are there any key lessons that you've learned throughout your experience that you believe have helped you kind of guide this organization and make it what it is today? I think the key thing is important for us to to love and love unconditionally. Life is not about me. Life is not about you. It's about how do we reach out to those that are hurting. And once you get yourself out of yourself, and outside yourself and you start to see and help meet the needs of others, you feel like, you know what, my, my world is not that bad. It's not that bad. And, and you start to invest and you see the change. It's almost contagious. Like if when I'm serving somebody and I see, and my, for me, I want to put a smile on that person's face or let them know, hey, it's going to be okay. You know, it, it may be tough, but it's going to be okay. And so to be able to love the way I would want to be loved and to be able to reach out and, and, and again, live outside of myself and focus. For, um, for me, my model is see a need and meet that need before it becomes a need. You know, so always thinking, okay, how can I help that person? Oh, my gosh, okay, I got to hold that door for that lady. She, you know, she's in a wheelchair. Regardless of where it is, always thinking of the other person. And if we would, if we would all do that, they won't be, I personally think there wouldn't be a need in this world if we were to get outside ourselves. This is my personal opinion. <laughs> Did you always picture yourself as being this kind of figure of, of giving and kind of showing service in the community? Is this what you saw yourself doing? Absolutely not. <laughs> Never. I mean, it's only, it's only by the grace of God that I'm where I'm at because here's the thing. I went to college as an accountant. I oh, did wow. that. Yeah, I did that for seven years. I loved it. I love the numbers. I like trying to find that missing penny. But I wasn't really living what I was made to do. And so when I moved out from New York to California and discovered this community, I discovered myself, to be honest. It's like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm called to do, is to love God and to love others. And that's what I do every day. You know, so I, I found a job that I love, so I'm not really working. They say, find a job you like, you don't, you don't work. And that's where I'm at. It's like, I love what I do because I get to see, I get to empower and I get to see lives change. So, has it been always in, I, I never, no. As an accountant, I would have thought, I'm good here. But obviously God had other plans for me, and, and I'm here 20 years now. I would argue that being an accountant actually helped you, though, because you're able to make this service 
in a, a wiser way with more background and knowledge of how you know numbers work and being able to kind of make that happen for the community in a positive way rather than just you know finances yeah you're right you're right about that because you do have to be careful with your finance and be very frugal with it and know when you can and when you can't spend stuff you're absolutely right about that are there additional challenges also because you deal specifically with children I think uh, it's not necessarily just children, but just when you're dealing with people that are hurting, there's always challenges, you know, and you want to try to meet all of the, their struggles. You know you can't. You know, there's only one person that can, and you can't, it's not me. And so the challenge is always, it's almost like Shinna's List, you know, if I can, I can help one more, if I can help one more. So sometimes I carry it on myself, but when you see people that are hurting and sometimes forgotten, it's always tough to be to want to come alongside and you know you can't you can't meet every one of their needs so that's a huge challenge when you have a heart that cares um, besides the finances besides the volunteers I think it's harder when you when when you know the person and I think that's important that you just I don't know you by name but I know you and I know your struggle almost yeah exactly and so and I'm gonna when you come alongside well you know what it's it's, it's investing in life it's 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 dirty it, it, it's ugly sometimes, but it's so worth it because when you invest in someone's life, the, your return on your investment is, is priceless. So it doesn't really matter as long as I feel, as long as I've done what I can do and I've done it to the best, then I'm okay. I can sleep at night. You know, but it's still, it still hurts. I'm not going to deny my feelings or my, my, my hurts. It's like, I wish there was more we can do. I'm getting all emotional. I know. I can feel your passion <laughs> as you speak about this. And I'm not sure if this would be crossing a line, but are there any particular instances where you really felt that you touched someone's life? You don't have to mention a specific name, but is there a particular, not a favorite, but someone that really stands out to you in your service? That's that's a no-brainer for me. We, we do have a uh, young man who was in the program when he was in high school, um, got out of, you know, um, we met him when he was in the middle of perhaps, you know, choosing drugs or a different lifestyle. And we, we started investing in him and started loving on him. And, and he graduated high school. He, he, he wasn't sure he was going to graduate. He graduated high school. And not only that, we, we challenged him, do you want to go to college? And he was like, I, well, I always wanted to. I just never, never thought I, I could. So, you know, we found the, re, the funds, uh, resources to get him. And he is now at the eight, uh, Santa Ana College. He just passed part of his, his, his written test for his welder's license. He's going to take his practical test, hopefully this semester. Um, graduate by next May with his AA, and he's already thinking about transferring to a four-year college. And we're like, "What? That's a that's a that's a changed life right there." And not only that, his whole family has been changed as a result of his changed life. So that is, that's we want many of them, many of um, this young man to be like, "Yeah, I want to be like him because of the changes he's not only done in his personal life and his family life, but also in the community. He's helped transform that community." It's really wonderful that you're expanding these people's kind of view of their potential because then he'll come back and realize that this community has really changed his life. Absolutely. And it's both. It's give and take. It's changed his life, and he's made an impact in the community as well. So how do you see the future of Lot 318 as you, as you kind of um, look down the line, maybe a couple years from now, and what would your ideal place in the community be? 
Well, we'd love to multiply. We love to see um, Lottery Teen and Homework Club and Movie Nights be able to be reciprocated in other communities. We believe in all across the nation there's pockets of poverty and pockets of people that have forgotten. And so our, our desire is to be able to come in and uh, say I was... Um, Say you want to start something and you're like, well, I want to, I don't know how. We want to be able to have something tangible to leave with you and come alongside you and say, hey, I'm going to be here. I'm going to, I want to coach you. I want to mentor you, but you mentor somebody in the community. So now the uh, multiplication starts. And so that's our desire is that we can empower the community to do their thing as a committee and then allows us to go to other communities and help empower them and just have pockets of homework club happening. We use, that's our desire that that whole community from in, in placentia to be transformed you know and and with with hope and 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 when again with worth and pride in a, in a good sense pride and so that's that's what we'd like to see is see more more donors involved more volunteers involved and at the same time see the the organization multiplied by empowering other people well, this is a really beautiful organization. Letty Galley, founder and director of Lot 318, thank you so much for joining our show today. Thank you so much. And I hope you listening have enjoyed our show as well. We at Critical Mass hope that the interviews you have listened to today and the new ideas and information we've given have helped you make better decisions as it pertains to you and your own companies. This show has been brought to you by our sponsors, Bridman University, Commercial Bank, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Success, Succession Strategies, and The Center Club. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts. Our executive producer is Richard Franzi. Our producer is Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. And I'm your host today, Asia Celestino. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business or want to refer a future guest, please visit our website criticalmassforbusiness.com that's criticalmass4forbusiness.com until the next show we at critical mass radio hope all your decisions move your company in a positive direction you have been listening to critical mass radio show business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to ceos who are leading middle market companies with your host richard franzi 